Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito-Connors, a doctoral-level educational administrator and mental health practitioner focused on helping you, our world's helpers. Every day, we have a choice to prioritize our well-being, to incorporate reflection, recovery, renewal, and resilience strategies into our lives. However, those of us who step up and serve our communities in healthcare, education, nonprofit spaces, and more can struggle with putting ourselves first. I've seen this firsthand, and it's a challenge. Enter Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret Podcast. Here, we have real, intimate conversations with leading experts passionate about accessible, sustainable self care in its 10 domains. It's all about the hard work we can take on together to find our spotlight. And before we dive into today's guest, I want to talk a little bit about how I got interested in Ayurveda and started studying Ayurveda. It actually goes back to how I started getting interested in self-care. This was about 2011, fresh out of grad school, round one, with my master's in school counseling, ready to head off into the world of being a guidance counselor. And I got hired at a therapeutic high school here in the greater Boston area. And I quickly realized that this was going to be a fast road to burnout, working with the population I was working with and at the pace I was going. But at the time, I thought it was something that was just special for me, <laughs> that no one else experienced, you know, stress or anything at, at their jobs. So it kind of sent me on a little bit of a journey. I actually had a conversation with my um, program director at the time and asked her, you know, just let her know that I was really feeling stressed out and was kind of struggling, you know, separating work-life balance and boundaries and whatnot. And she said to me, you need to learn to not take the work home with you. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, um, but what I took it as, well, this is a me problem and I have to go fix it. So I started down a kind of a rabbit hole of researching like how to manage this. And I stumbled upon the works of Deepak Chopra, Cheryl Richardson, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, etc. And especially when learning about Deepak Chopra and all of his work. And I was also, you know, somewhat familiar with him from other areas of my life as well. But he would talk a lot about Ayurveda. And I thought, what is this? So I started looking things up and I stumbled upon a practitioner in the Boston area named Kate O'Donnell. And I went to several workshops with Kate. She taught me so much about Ayurveda and her workshops were phenomenal. I credit her for kind of helping me set up my Dinacharya, which is my morning routine, my daily routine, and some of the other Ayurvedic principles that I incorporate into my life definitely came from workshops and classes with um, Kate over the years. And so I am so excited to welcome her today to the podcast as today's guest. How cool is that? So if you're not familiar with her work, Kate O'Donnell is the author of three Ayurvedic cookbooks, including The Everyday Ayurveda Guide to Self-Care, The Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, A Seasonal Guide to Eating and Living Well, and Everyday Ayurvedic Cooking for a Clear, Calm Mind, 100 Sattvic Recipes. She is a nationally certified Ayurvedic practitioner and founder of the Ayurvedic Living Institute. She is also a faculty member at the Kripalu School of Ayurveda and the Yoga Veda Institute. And without further delay, here is our conversation. All 
right, Kate, we are up and running. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right in. Would you like to tell me a little bit about how you like to practice self-care? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm a big morning person when it comes to self-care. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which I've always kind of taught that once everyone else in your household wakes up, you're fair game. Mm. So, you know, that even getting up like 10 minutes, you know, like a little bit goes a long way in the morning. But for me, I have to establish that like relationship with myself before I do anything else. Or I'll just, it's like whatever comes into my field in that first 10 or 20 minutes of my day, really, it sets my mind on a trajectory. So whatever that thing is, (laughs) like, if it has to do with just sort of like sensory care, that that's ideal. And I feel like it just, it like prepares me to just be myself and inhabit this body as I go forward into the rest of the day, rather than inhabiting just the mind, Mm. you know, and like thoughts and stories and like tasks and things like that. It's like self-care to me is very much about being embodied, like caring for this body. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you highlight that a little goes a long way because I think sometimes folks get caught in the trap that if they don't have a lot of time, then why bother doing anything at all? Absolutely. And I, you know, I have a history of being an obsessive self carer Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that in itself causes dis-ease. Correct. You know, so I have, I have learned that in in some ways, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, like also to trust the body that the body is naturally detoxifies in a 24 hour cycle. It naturally takes nourishment in a 24 hour cycle and it doesn't need me like interfering all the time. <laughs> you know? The body is really smart and we don't give it a lot of credit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, Again, to me, if I just keep it to things that support this, the strength of this body, you know, so that I just like age well and have less pain and, you know, digest my food well and those sorts of things. Very simple, very simple stuff, very simple intention behind it. And that that's helpful. That's helpful to me to just keep it as like, you know, it's part of, it's just part of being in a body. Yeah. Beautiful. A little goes a long way and it can be simple. Those are definitely some great, great takeaways for sure. And that definitely things I try to kind of let folks realize and, and ingrain in them uh, through my work as well. So I love that. So we have had a couple of conversations um, around Ayurveda on the podcast previously to this episode, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can describe um, for our listeners, like what is Ayurveda? Mm-hmm. It is India's indigenous medical system. It's been around for uh, thousands of years. It, uh, there is textual knowledge. You know, I would say it began as an oral tradition, and then there are texts 
that go all the way back to, you know, say 2000 years old. And then of course there's modern medical texts as well. Sure. And Ayurveda has a, a big focus on like maybe a lot of the medicines we're used to today. It has a big focus on prevention and self-care and longevity. So ultimately Ayurveda is described as a longevity science. Yeah. Which the idea is that, you know, if you take good care of yourself, then you will be able to do what you're here to do in this body, you know? So it uses, there's a lot of herbal medicines, there's dietary recommendations, a big aspect of seasonal living, sort of, you know, changing your diet and your self-care seasonally is a big part of the, the prevention. Um, and it's very much about keeping the body in a state of balance where the body gets thrown off balance by certain qualities in our environment, like being too dry, mm-hmm. you know, and then it dries out your skin and then eventually your bones, you know, so you get osteoporosis or being too hot and then you end up with inflammation, you know? And so the seasons have also their effect on, on that, you know, living in a dry climate, living in a hot climate. So we take things like that into account and all the foods that we eat have certain qualities. Some are heating, some are drying, you know? So it's like, there's all these opportunities in your normal life to practice medicine in Ayurveda. Um, and when a disorder is expressing in the body, the, the science also does go into treatment. You know, it's not just prevention. I think that's maybe a common misperception mm. you learn about Ayurveda, but also it does go into surgery, disease, all that sort of thing. Right. And it works. It I find it works really nicely to help um, bodies withstand Western treatments, actually. So mm. for more serious disorders, I feel like Ayurveda works really well as a palliative care in conjunction, you know, because pharmaceuticals can be so hard on the body, hard on the digestion, you know, things like that. So, yeah. So in cases where people are using Western medicine in serious ways, it doesn't mean Ayurveda is out. There's actually still a lot there that can help people. Yeah. One of the things I love about Ayurveda is that it really strives to get though to the root of the issue so it doesn't necessarily whereas western medicine might be quick to throw some drugs at it or like kind of maybe a band-aid effect whereas ayurveda strives to go deeper to get to the root of whatever dis-ease or whatever it is you're experiencing would you say that's accurate definitely yeah so that root often can be traced back to a quality or a group of qualities Right. That, you know, thing, things got too hot and too moist, you know, so there's all these inflammatory processes going on in a body. And, you know, if you just treat the inflammation of, say, the sinus, where the problem has found a place to lodge in the body. So you clear the sinus, but then the inflammation is still ranging in this example. Right. And so the inflammation can then pop up somewhere else in the body. So until we address, you know, the excess heat and moisture situation that's causing the expressions of symptoms to happen in different ways in different places, then it'll just keep coming back, maybe in different shapes. But yeah, so the cause of the cause (laughs) of symptoms, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really cool 
and I'm not certainly not as versed in it as you are, but it's it's really cool to study and and to learn about. And I think it makes a lot of sense, um, in my opinion, as to how we kind of think about things. And even when you get into like the qualities and like, you know, where we're going to be in knee deep summer by the time this episode releases, you know, that's very for at least us here in, in the greater Boston area and, and the East Coast, you know, it's going to be hot. So that's not necessarily the time maybe for spicy foods and or to keep make sure you're keeping those things in balance. So you want to talk a little bit about maybe just some of the examples of like foods, like what's a maybe a cooling food versus a heating food and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So the way we look at everything in Ayurveda breaks down to the five elements, space, air, fire, water, earth, kind of like Chinese medicine has mm-hmm. also an elemental basis. So those each of those elements is a substratum for quality, like fire is hot mm-hmm. and space and air are cold, right? So we, we look at it through that lens. So anything that contains fire is hot. So things that are um, salty, things that are spicy and things that are sour and sour is like very much um, an action that happens when we ferment things. So fermented foods and drinks are mm-hmm. heating. Those are a great example of things that that heat you up. So like whiskey is a very clear example. You know, you have a yeah. it literally burns, you know. So all of our like alcohols and kombuchas and things like that increase heat in the body. Things that are cool um, are usually things that like when you have a sip of whiskey, it feels hot. You know, when you have something cool, you feel like refreshed, yeah. you know, like the Irish spring feeling <laughs> and that cucumber is like a really easy example. You know, you yeah. can feel that when you eat a cucumber that it, that it is cool. Um, so also something like cilantro, we tend to put cilantro on spicy food as a balancer. Yeah. Yeah. And then something like milk is actually cool. You know, it's like, it's not an acidic hot thing. It's a, yeah. it's quite the opposite. Um, and then we find a lot of cooling, like watermelon, all the melons are very yeah. cool. You know, we tend to reach for those in hot weather as well, you know, and because if something's like served on ice, it doesn't make it cooling. Right. I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like your iced coffee, like coffee is one of those acidic hot foods. So even if you ice it, it's still going to increase heat in the body and feed those kind of inflammatory hot processes, irritability and stomach and things like that. I just had a flashback of of working with you and showing up, I think, at one of our appointments and I had this giant ice water thing and, and you were like, "Okay, cool. How much of that do you drink a day? And I don't know, some ridiculous amount of I was drinking and you were like, yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> like, I mean, like, oh, but, but it's ice. You're like, no, I think it was some sort of tea mixture. And you were like, no, that's not that's you're putting out the fire in your belly, I think is actually right. what you said. Right, right. Iced drinks. Uh, yeah, are one of those kind of general, not great ideas in Ayurveda because you're you're belly is it's a fire in there that digests your food so when we douse it with cold drinks it inhibits our ability to digest food but also to absorb and assimilate it later down the line yeah i think it's fascinating when you start like thinking about it in that way and i love how ayurveda kind of breaks down seasonally 
like different things and and you know sometimes you know food whatever we don't need to get into food politics but you know we can get sometimes foods that are not seasonally appropriate in other seasons and that isn't maybe the best thing because from an Ayurveda perspective anyway you know it's out of season it's kind of out of balance right yes right yeah seasonal eating like eating the things that are in season where a person is is considered like a wonderful health regimen local seasonal food which in new england it can be a bummer yeah. <laughs> i'm really sick of apples yeah <laughs> apples pumpkins squash yeah <laughs> i love squash i could actually eat squash all the time but i get so sick of apples being like the fruit you yeah. know the fruit so, of fall yeah <laughs> yeah some strawberries and cantaloupe back <laughs> right exactly so when those things are in season i kind of go nuts on them yeah so i'm going nuts on fruit from like june july august and then i start going nuts on squash in the fall and i i do very much follow a seasonal diet and i like that it creates variety mm. for me in my diet So I'm eating everything, you know, I'm enjoying all the different food groups over the course of an annual cycle, just not all like in the same week. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So if someone was maybe interested in getting started learning about Ayurveda, is there a place you kind of recommend they begin? I mean, to toot my own horn, I think my first book, the Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, that's what it's for. And food and digestion are such an important part of Ayurveda because our our body is built of food and our five element composition is the result of the food that we eat. And all the, the science teaches that all diseases and disorders at some point, if we go back to the cause of the cause began in the digestive tract. So like, we're all about kind of easy to digest foods, you know, and eating like heavier foods at certain times of day and lighter foods at other times of day. And in that book, the, the everyday Ayurveda cookbook, I teach like all about the five elements and all about the qualities of, of so many different foods that appear seasonally. And it's great if your audience is kind of maybe a little more New Englandy, they'll love it because it's like that's where I live and, you know, wrote the book, but people in other climates can also just sort of apply the qualities of their own seasons and be like, okay, my place is, you know, hot and dry. And so you can sort of choose the foods that are most beneficial for you based on your, your body and your climate. And then it's just simple recipes. Yeah. Cause the idea is that if food is our medicine, we want to take an interest in it you know, just take an interest in food as medicine. And so that's why I wrote a cookbook was like, let's try to lure everyone into, you know, the kitchen a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think, I do think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to toot your own horn. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and, um, if I didn't think, think so highly of you, you wouldn't be on, wouldn't be on the show. Cause I mean, I love your work and I have all three of your books and they're, not only are they super helpful, very accessible, well, well done. They're also just aesthetically pleasing. The photography is gorgeous. Like they're, they're beautiful books. So I'll, de- we'll definitely make sure, you know, all your info is linked and, and folks know where to find um, the books, but that's, that's good to know that that would be a, what you would recommend is a good place to start. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to like, I don't spend a lot of time in the, like, I don't love to spend a lot of time on complicated meals. So it's simple, you know, anything you can do in like 20, 30 minutes. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a great segue into, as I said, this is going to air around um, probably late July, August E. So what's like your favorite recipe that kind of for that time of year? Mm, yeah. Summer favorites. I have this quinoa salad that I do a lot in the summer. And quinoa is this grain that's a little bit lighter. If you think about it, it's like it's fluffier. It's not as kind of sticky as something like rice. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I, I gravitate towards it. It's just a little drier, fluffier, lighter. So in kind of humid and hot weather, I will gravitate towards quinoa instead of the rice or buckwheat or some of the like sort of heavier things. Um, and I will, um, cook the quinoa and then like the last 10 minutes that it's cooking, I'll throw in seasonal vegetables. Okay. Up like zucchini, any greens I might have. Um, sometimes I'll throw, um, like celery, like what, basically whatever. That's what why you I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I throw whatever on top and let it steam with the quinoa for the last 10 minutes. And then, um, I will toss it all together at the end and I'll use a bunch of fresh herbs. So I'll use nice. olive oil, lemon, and tons of fresh herbs. So like, um, whatever's in the garden, you know, you can grab mint will work, parsley, oregano, thyme, like all of that stuff. And I just toss that all together with just olive oil and lemon. It's amazing how good it is. And obviously mm. salt, you know, a uh, little turmeric, which makes it pretty because a little color. Yeah. Got a lot. If I feel like I need more, I'll like plop hummus on top of the salad or I will, um, put chickpeas in it nice. and toss that all together. Yeah. And do you eat it when it's cold? Do you wait for it to get cold? Do you eat it when it's warm? So that's what I like about this. So like the ice water thing, Teresa, that we've already discussed, cold, eating cold, like refrigerator cold food is also mm. not a fantastic for the gut. Um, for myself, it like hurts when I eat cold food. So what I like about the quinoa salad, however, is that you can eat it when it's hot or you can eat it at room temperature. So this is, it's like my number one barbecue bring food. I, nice. I bring the salad to the barbecue and then it's, it's room temp when we eat it and that's fine. So it's good for those like really hot days where nothing sounds good. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The other thing, if I can just, I can go on all day. This is like my favorite time of year for eating. (laughs) Although I think I would say that all year actually, but there's uh, I like to do a watermelon cooler so oh, I'll yes. Yes, just the flesh from a watermelon and I will put it in the blender with a couple leaves of basil. Oh, oh nice. yeah. And I'll just drink it like with a straw. That's fantastic. The other one I do is the cantaloupe cooler. So I'll throw the cantaloupe in the blender with a pinch of cinnamon. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, there's something about <laughs> cantaloupe and cinnamon who knew, right? but it's really good. And I'll enjoy the fruit drinks like by themselves because fruit does digest faster than other food. So some people are likely to notice that if they 
have those drinks and they also have other food at the same time that they might notice bloating, mm. potentially gas. So okay. these are a nice, like I have usually one of those in the morning, first thing in the morning, and then I'll eat, you know, something else an hour later, or I might have it like as my afternoon cocktail, you know, before dinner, you know, like yeah. kind of thing. you come home, sit on the porch and have one of these amazing Absolutely. things. Yeah. And then an hour later, whatever dinner is ready. And then you're not mixing the fruit with the food, which is right. ideal for digestion. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Those, that all sounds delicious. <laughs> I'm already thinking, I'm like, hmm, let me make quinoa salad this summer. That sounds yeah. really fun. Once you um, get started on it, it just like you, you, it's, you won't get sick of it. You'll just keep making it. You throw different kinds of beans in it, different vegetables. Right. Well, then yeah. kind of keep kind of mixing it up so you don't yes. get sick of it. Did you hear the news about our exciting new offering from the self-care cabaret? We're calling it Talk Back. If you're familiar with the theater space, you may have participated in a talk back before. After a performance, the cast and crew will come back on stage to chat with the audience and answer questions. Think of it as a casual guided discussion. Inspired by this and by popular interest, we've come up with a talk back for the Self-Care Cabaret podcast. Groups will listen to a podcast episode or two of their choosing. Then I'll come and lead your discussion, either in person or virtually, of those episodes, expanding on the big ideas. It's a great option for groups looking for short, impactful professional development or smaller teams looking to get an introduction to self-care and well-being. We have done a few of these so far, and let me say, they have been so much fun. So if you're interested in bringing a talk back to your group or organization, email podcast at drmcselfcare.com. And now, on with the show. One of your books, I think it was, is it your third one? The the Ayurveda Guide to Self-Care? Is that one yeah. the third one? Yeah. yeah. That one, when you released that one, I got really excited. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, like, in your experience releasing that book out into the world, and um, it's been a minute since I've looked at it, I'll be honest. That came out a couple of years ago. Wondering if there's something that, like, you just wish people would understand about, like, the connection between Ayurveda and self-care. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's that's a great question, Teresa, because it's kind of why I wrote the book is that I felt like people learned about Ayurveda and Ayurveda does have these like self-care rituals that are baked in for longevity, you know, so you wake up in the morning and you scrape your tongue. You splash your eyes with cool water. You know, we love Adina Charya here on the podcast. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe we oil the nose and the ears. You know, so it's just this basic care of the sense organs, and then you know, there's then there's the oil massage and there's the oil pulling, and like people are very curious about all this stuff. But I found that people didn't know like when to use what. Mm. Back to where we started, which was keeping it simple and not trying to do it all. I found that like people feel like, oh, I have to do all the Ayurvedic routines or I'm not healthy. Sure. So what I wanted to kind of flesh out there was a little more of like how each of these practices works, like what it actually does, you know, in your body. And so if your eyes bother you, maybe you want to focus more on the eye stuff. You know, if you have receding gums, maybe oil pulling is worth bringing in, you know, and that there's also this, the seasonal changes. So maybe you need more oil in a dry season. 
and you don't have to worry about it when it's wet in your climate, you know? So I felt like people weren't like getting all that, connecting all those pieces that, you know, something like oil massage is important to balance the dry quality. So if it is not dry, you don't experience, you know, dry skin or dry poops or dry scalp, dry eyes. And if those things don't bother a person, then they can put their energy elsewhere right, and get better results. Yeah, I could definitely see, though, how people get kind of whipped up in the idea. It goes back to like, you know, if they don't have a ton of time, well, if they can't do like all the things, why bother doing any of the things? <laughs> and I'm always like, no, if you only have five minutes and like, you know, you take a quick walk or just do some gentle stretching or throw on your favorite song and have a five minute dance party like that is still beneficial. That is still good. Do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's almost more beneficial. I feel like, you know, you've probably noticed this, that the potency of self-care grows with time. So it's mm-hmm. like, you actually need to do less and less because you, your body, it's like, you just like lock into this zone. Yeah. You know? Like the five minute dance party and your body's like, yep, we got this. Yeah, like we're, we're good to go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think too, if you're constantly doing those things in, in a foundational way, you tend to stay more in balance just in general. So then when something happens, you're not going to maybe, you know, you might get pulled a little off balance here and there or whatever, but it's not, you're going to be able to recover more quickly too. Yeah. Yes. Be able to bounce back more quickly. And like I always say to folks, you know, when you practice self-care, it's not going to make stress go away, but it can change your, how you you're going to react to the stress. If right. you, you know, if you have those foundational practices, so same thing with Ayurveda, if you can weave some of that in, then that's liable to keep you more just in, in a, in a balanced state. And we've, you know, we've talked a little bit about kind of balance and whatnot. You want to talk a little bit more about how Ayurveda kind of views, like maybe a little bit into like doshas and how that works and how maybe somebody may know if they're like out of balance yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could try like a, a lightning round, you know, doshas and, and early signs of imbalance. So, um, those five elements that I mentioned when they go, when they make up a body, they compound into three pairs that do specific jobs. So they're, they're like physiological functional compounds in the body. They're called vata, that which moves, pitta, that which transforms and kappa, that which lubricates, Mm. right? So vata is air and space and it's dry and it's cold and it's mobile. You know, like a cloud in the sky is never Mm -hmm. sitting there. You know, it's, it's moving all the time. And pitta is fire and water. So the water contains the intensity of the fire. And that's, that's the hot one. It's hot. It's sharp. It's intense. It's also moist, a little bit oily, where your vata is dry. With mm-hmm. pitta, you'll see more oiliness. Um, and with kappa, kappa is uh, earth and water. So it's all the structure and the lubrication in the body. So it's mm-hmm. very moist. It's cool. There's no fire there, right? It's not as cold as vata, but it's cool. And it's um, moist, heavy, and dense. So it's very stable, Unlike Vata and Pitta, which both are a little more erratic and intense. So these three compounds like create balance in a body. And based on our DNA, we all have an elemental makeup. 
you sort of get from your, you know, your parents. And then you, you know, so we might call someone a kappa type or a pitta type or a vata type. And that's because of the elements that compose their body. So a vata type will feel more dryness. Mm. And they're the ones who run cold. And they have a hard time sitting still, most likely, right? So they can work on getting better at that, but sure. it's like they, they like to move. They're movers. And your um, pitta types will be the ones who run hot. They do not like hot weather. There's more of an irritability, is a tendency towards being intense and irritable. Um, and they have a great appetite and digest anything because that fire, you know, is mm -hmm. strong in them. And then the couple types will be um, like a larger frame because there's more of that, that earth there. There's more mucus. There's a tendency towards mucus. So these people might notice more congestion, like a sniffle in the morning, you know, or if you eat ice cream, maybe a little sniffle. The lungs can be a thing. It's more of a tendency for moisture to kind of hang out in the lungs in a cup of type. Um, and cup of types like to, to chill, where your vata types like to move, right? Mm -hmm. So most people aren't just one thing, you know, right. People are dual doshic. So I think as people listen to this description, they might feel like, oh, you know, well, there's probably, I'm probably a both vata and pitta, you know, or both pitta and kappa or whatever it is. Yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah. It's most people have, right. Or a combination, like I'm more of a vata pitta type. So I've got like the air and the dry and I've got the hot. Right. And so then there's the interaction of the yeah. two doshas, you know, um, and it's, it takes time to understand, to really like get it. You know, I think like you, you like to study it. You've said, yeah. you know, so probably over time got, so you felt really comfortable in knowing what, what elements are most prevalent for you. So when one of those dosha means that, which is at fault. So over the thousands of years of observation, the Ayurvedic masters could see that there, when there was a disease process in a body, it always went back to an imbalance of one of these three compounds. So it's very much like the Greeks had the wind, bile, and phlegm, the three yeah. humors, it's the same, right? And so keeping those humors or those physiological compounds in their relative state of balance, like how they want to be in your body, which is different than how they want to be in my body, right? Like you might be a little yeah. drier than me, but your body is like in balance that way, right? So there's no like universal, this is balance. This is a balanced body. But what we do have is the knowledge of the early signs of imbalance, so with the, you know, it's like the grouping of qualities of Vata. So it's dry, it's cold, it's mobile. So if we get too much of that in a body, which usually is because a person's been traveling too much, too mobile, mm -hmm. or they're too busy, right? Or they never like calm, they haven't learned how to like do calming activities, or they drink iced water all the time and they eat cold food all the time or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So we cause imbalances through our choices sometimes. And then with that, you're going to see wind, like disturbance of wind, the air element. So these people, they might have cold hands and feet. So like the circulation is affected. They definitely have like bloating. 
and gas and kind of a windiness. Yeah. <laughs> so these are the people who will be like, oh no, beans. Ah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and so we're looking at like bloating and gas and possibly constipation because of the dry quality. Maybe we see a, a dry skin mm. and like maybe, you know, to the point where it's like bothersome, you know, and because we all get a little dry skin in the winter in New England, right? But like sure. beyond what's kind of normal, we could say. And if those signs, it's like, well, I always had dry skin, but nothing like this, you know? Right. And you're like bloating. All, every time you eat, you feel bloated. And then you're like a windbag, you know? And so these these little signs are the early ones that can tell a person that something's going on with water. And so then we'll introduce some opposite qualities. We'll keep the person warm. We'll take away the ice water. No, we'll make sure they're eating warm food and food that's not too drying, you know, but has natural fats in it. We add a little oil to their food. You know, we might oil their body. We make sure they're wearing like a hat when they go outside. You know, just these things are common sense. Yeah. That's so cool though. Yeah, but and then you're like, oh my god, but it works. <laughs> yeah, no, it, ma- it makes sense. Like it, yeah. at least to me, it does. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, this makes I know. sense. I know, I know. So with your pitta types, you know, there's that oily, sharp, hot, intense. It's an acidic environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing you start to see is an acid stomach, like an acidic feeling in the gut. Yeah, uh, the person might be overheating at times. Um, and there, there can definitely be like that intensity. So it could be like a competitiveness or um, obsessiveness, uh, workaholicness. You know, mm-hmm. like those things becoming like more than is tenable. You know. Yeah. So we get like acid and heat in the body, but then there's also the real mental um, mind component as well with pitta that can tip us off to imbalance. Like when I lived in Boston, I would always notice. Um, road rage in August, like mm. worse and door slamming, <laughs> door slamming and road rage in the end of August, which is like, it's like when the heat's been accumulating, yeah. you know, in the city and like in the body for a couple months and people just have on a hot day, short fuse, people yeah. have short fuse, you know, for sure. <laughs> yes. I used to notice that, oh, the friendliness is it's not here There's for this <laughs> few weeks. So your pitta types would then, you know, we'd give them thing. We would kind of try to remove too much ferments or too much alcohol, too much spicy food, too much yeah. salt, you know, and give them more cucumbers, yeah, <laughs> yeah. fine foods that are calming and cooling for them. Um, a lot of it with pitta does, you get great results when you just remove some of the acidic foods. Yeah. That's, that's the thing there that's hard to get around. And like coffee is a big problem. You know, so if you're having cocktails at night, coffee in the morning, that's like you bookended your day with right beverages, you know, and that's such a common thing. And then stress is also acidic, you know, cortisol and adrenaline increase the, the heat in the body. So a lot of people are moving around in states of aggravated pitta for sure. And with the cuppa, it's that mucus you know, that we look for. And so interestingly, there is naturally a lot of mucus in the stomach. It protects the stomach from the fire, you know? So that's the first place we might notice an accumulation. So a person would feel uh, not hungry. 
just not that hungry. Like the digestive fire is like asleep kind of mm -hmm. a feeling. That's an early sign. And then we might notice congestion in the nasal passage in the lung or also something like, um, uh, sluggishness of the circulation. So that could show up as like swelling of, you know, hands and feet or swelling sure. of legs yeah. you know, or that kind of a thing. Um, so it's like excess water. So it's, it's either going to be moisture or we might also see it like in the body as different, different parts of the body swelling. Yeah. And the appetites, the big one there is, um, a cup of type will, when they eat mucus forming foods like cold dairy, you know, like ice cream or cold milk or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, or too much cheese, too much meat, because meat is very heavy. So these things, if you have too much of it, it just kills that, that the digestive fire. And that's that, that feeling of heaviness in the stomach when they eat anything will start to happen where your Wata type is going to get all windy. Your Pitta type is going to get acidic and then your Kappa type, it gets like, uh, like heavy, mm. dense feeling in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I love it. Like I could listen to you talk about it all day long. Um, and it's like reminding me, I'm like, yeah, I should probably like, I feel like I haven't revisited a lot of my materials in a while. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's time to probably dust off your three books and, make, and take a look at them again. Cause it's, it's been a little while, just maybe refresh some, some recipes and, and see, uh, yeah. see what else. Cause they're, um, uh, they're really helpful books. Uh, before we wrap up, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the Veda Institute and your work there. Ayurvedic Living Institute. Yeah. Um, which oh, I was just thinking when you were talking, like I also have, you know, hour and a half long seasonal workshops. So if somebody feels overwhelmed by like a book and just yeah. wants like sure. summer, I have like a summer self-care workshop, for example, you know, cool. that people Ayurvedic Living dot Institute and it, it'll be, you go under self-care and there's basically a workshop for every season. Yep. Perfect. That could be a nice place also to start. Somebody could just watch the summer one, you know, and just start there and see if something hits you, you know, and there's, um, there's years of content on that website. I know it's a lot to look at. <laughs> so I think for people who are newer, there's the intro to Ayurveda course, or just, just catch a seasonal workshop and see where it takes you, or there's something like sleep you know, as a workshop on improving sleep and just sometimes like a simple topic is a great way to just get, get into it. Yeah. Sleep's yeah. another really important self-care aspect that is often ignored. <laughs> oh yeah. We could and overlooked. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. You know, the texts say that life and death depend upon sleep. Mm, I believe like, it. Very clearly just that is the, those, that's the line. It's like yeah. happiness and unhappiness life and death depend upon sleep. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty, pretty serious yeah. stuff right there. I never sacrifice sleep. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I've, oh my God. I feel terrible if I do, but yep. so where last, but certainly not least. So you want to say your website again and just social media handles and where folks can find you. Yeah. Thank you. Ayurvedic living dot Institute. That's where the self-care classes. And then on Instagram, it's Kate O'Donnell dot Ayurveda. So I post a recipe every month and then you can sign up for my newsletter through there. And I send out a recipe every month as well. So usually it's like what I'm cooking on, you know, what I'm yeah. working on. 
at, sure. that, at that time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that that's all linked in the episode notes and your website and links to your books and all of that amazing content. So thank you. And um, thank you so much for joining me here. Yeah, it's great to see you again after so long. That was such a fabulous conversation, packed with info. And I know we've talked about Ayurveda on other podcast episodes here. I'll be sure to have those linked in the notes. But Kate really emphasized and highlighted so many of the important qualities, which I think make Ayurveda pretty awesome. And right from the get-go, she emphasized the idea that self-care is simple. Keep it simple and a little goes a long way. Perfection. And I'm definitely going to try that quinoa salad this summer and her coolers. They sounded so yummy. I'll be sure to post about it when I do. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're feeling more energized and empowered. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and leave a review for this podcast on your preferred player. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self Care and Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret on LinkedIn. You can also visit my website, DrMCSelfCare.com, for the latest updates and to sign up for Cast Party, my e-newsletter. And if you're interested in having me present to an audience near you, email info at DrMCSelfCare.com. Thanks again. Stay well and do good.